Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. Today I'm joined by actor on stage and screen Timothy Cox, whom I've gotten to know over the years. He's been on the podcast a couple of times over the years. And uh, we are going to continue with my Class of 1999 series as we discuss Sam Mendes' Best Picture winner for that year, American Beauty. And uh, after recent reviewing, I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. It's it's a tough movie to talk about uh, in light of uh, revelations that have come out since, but I still think it's going to be a conversation that you'll enjoy and appreciate. So please uh, welcome to the podcast to discuss American Beauty, Timothy Cox. It's my pleasure join be joined on the podcast today by an actor I've gotten to know over the years, uh, Timothy J. Cox. Uh, he's appeared in a lot of short films that I've reviewed over the years, and uh, he's an actor who does work on stage as well as in film. And he's here with me today to continue my Class of 99 series, for the podcast and discuss the best picture winner that year for uh, Sam Mendes' American Beauty. Um, it's an interesting film to discuss. It always kind of was, um, especially in light of uh, things that we've uh, that we've heard over the past couple of years with regards to its uh, star and best actor winner Kevin Spacey. Um, it, it makes for an even more interesting conversation. And uh, thank you for uh, joining me today, Timothy Cox. Thank you so much, Brian. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So American Beauty, I, I know uh, when I first started reaching out to people, um, this, this was one that you almost immediately uh, jumped at the opportunity to talk about. And uh, part of it was because of what we've uh, come to hear about Kevin Spacey over the past couple of years, but it is a worthwhile movie to, uh, to discuss in a lot of different ways. And, um, be, before we, uh, before we get too deep into the conversation, um, what were, what was your, when you first saw the film, uh, what was your initial impression of it? The thing that uh, blew me away is that the, the quality of the script, the quality of the story, this is the a kind of movie that, like, this is the kind of movie that an, act, I, an actor would jump at because mm-hmm. it has all of the elements. It's, it's equal parts very funny, heartbreaking, dramatic, mysterious. Um, it, it has... Um, it's just I remember just being blown away. Like I remember seeing the trailer, mm-hmm. and I didn't know, and I didn't know who Sam Mendes was. And at the time, this was the movie. I remember seeing the trailer, and I thought Kevin Spacey is going to win the Oscar for this because it mm-hmm. had that kind of the trailer of like, wow, this is one that you really want to see. And then, of course, seeing Annette Bening, and uh, I mean, and this was really Chris Cooper's really big breakout in mainstream um i had never seen wes bentley before and Mm -hmm. duvari and thora burke this was kind of like her first adult role after doing um but uh i just knew watching this trailer 
that uh, this was something that was going to be different and, you know, push boundaries and, and it does. I mean, it's, it's a movie that, I mean, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, 20 years since this movie uh, and it, uh, even with everything that has um, transpired with, with Kevin Spacey, it's still an extraordinary movie because I, I think it's, it's one thing I always say, it's one of those movies that you watch and you laugh and you feel a little guilty about laughing because it's, there's some of it that's just so incredibly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, um, so incredibly smart, <laughs> superbly acted. I mean, um, I mean, there are ever, I think every actor in this movie from, Spacey to Peter Gallagher to Scott Bakula to Sam Robards, uh, everybody has like a great moment to shine. I mean, yeah, Allison Janney is another one that comes to mind. You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't she doesn't say a lot, but th- like what she does in this movie is a prime example of. Uh, you just think of the end of like you know, take a raincoat, like this right. woman just been scared, and he, and I and I think with that you have the the quality of the script mm-hmm. and the quality of Sam Mendes's uh, brilliant direction. Yeah. No. And this, this was Sam Mendes uh, first film as a uh, director. He had previously yeah. been best known for uh, stage productions and he had uh, directed cabaret. That was his big, yeah. and he reimagined uh, that and opened that up. Cause of many people who knew the mm-hmm. original Broadway production in the movie, this was completely uh, different, which, you know, he, made it uh he 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 has an incredible talent of just having a way with a script and with actors i mean and and, we, and if you look at the quality of you look at all of his movies yeah uh there's there's just that always going through it there's always high quality of writing and directing and and uh acting right no and you're absolutely right and uh no, this this was this was a uh, this was a rewatch that I wasn't quite sure how I was going to react to it. Yeah. Um, after given what we have uh, learned about Kevin Spacey and what has been alleged about Kevin Spacey in the past mm-hmm. couple of years, and um, so this was this was a rewatch that was definitely not quite sure how I was going to feel about it. Um, and I will say that I. I, I still think it's an exceptional film. I still think mm-hmm. it's a fantastic film. Um, it just really, it it held up extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I also, one of the things that struck me about it, watching it now, is that it I didn't, you know, it's like, and when it first came out 20 years ago, it's like I, I was entertained by it. I, I saw the dark humor in it. I saw... The, even now, I see the dark humor in it. I see the, the the things about it that make it a really sharp uh, satire on um, sort of suburban life and that yeah. type of thing. But overall, I felt very I felt very uncomfortable about the film too, and it's, and it's to the film's credit that I felt uncomfortable because it's like I don't know how much I I'm not sure how much I feel like I should be enjoying this because basically what we're watching is 
we're basically watching um we're basically watching two family two very dysfunctional families here mm-hmm. uh where there's a subver a dominant personality as well as a subservient one and it throws that dynamic is just throwing everything off and basically everybody's playing an act everybody's playing a role especially everybody's playing a part burnham family family um the one with kevin spacey and and Mm -hmm. that benning um, now Chris Cooper and uh, Allison Janney, their family is uh, is a little bit more. You, they're a little bit more. They're uh, they're closed off, so they don't really have much. They they don't really show themselves, reveal themselves to the outside world that much. Yeah. And then once you, but once if you do see them, like when Jane goes over there. Uh, you can you can see how dysfunctional they are. Oh, absolutely. Well, and the amazing thing about one of the about those two couples is that you really hit it on the head. It really is a look at suburban life that families like Carolyn Burnham, the Annette Benning character, presents herself as and has her family as this kind of Ozzy and Harriet. Mm-hmm. Everything is perfect on the outside, but behind closed doors. Um, the dinner, the silences yeah. during the dinner say <laughs> so much. It, it's funny. It, it reminds me of like uh, ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think ordinary people is such an extraordinary film as yeah. well, because to the outside world, that family of Donald Sutherland, Mary mm-hmm. Tyler Moore and Timothy Hutton, even in the wake of the tragedy that everyone knows happened to the family, yeah. that how they're presented they're all playing a part mm-hmm. that uh, there's this, there's a scene at, at a party where Donald Sutherland's sitting on a steps with someone and she asks, how are things? How's Conrad? And he says, oh, he's great. And you know that mm-hmm. even without it, you know that it's not, you know that it's a performance, but yeah. that he, that's his defense. I think the same thing is definitely at play here in, American Beauty. Um, in the case of the Chris Cooper and Allison Janney relationship, I think Chris Cooper is definitely of that old school, nineteen post World War War kind of father who was not affectionate yeah. um, with their children. Um, you know, went out, worked, came home, expected his dinner on the table, and he is so terrified Alice and Janney's character mm-hmm. that she is immediately just um, shell-shocked and, and just subservient. She's, yeah. It's almost like she's not even there in a way. Mm-hmm. They're just to serve him. Whereas um, in the case of Lester and Carolyn, Carolyn makes more money. Lester is in a job that he hates. Not necessarily shell-shocked, but I think he... He, he, I don't think he cares. Yeah. And then I think as time goes on, I think he feels revitalized by seeing the Mina Savari character, mm-hmm. thinking of like she pays him a little bit of attention and he feels revitalized. Yeah. And the role, there's a role reversal. He mm-hmm. gets his confidence. But at the same time, 
it's so wrong because obviously, you know, she's yeah. a high school <laughs> senior. So <Yes. laughs> um, this is an interesting thing about this movie. Also, this movie was, you know, at the height of like the independent movement of when movies like, uh, you know, when Tarantino first started coming out mm-hmm. and with Reservoir Dogs and when the Coens really hit their stride. Those movies, I, I think, like with the quality of the dialogue, that they could have moments of like humor, comedy, mm-hmm. and the violence, all of that. The trend, I think, started with Reservoir Dogs and went into movies like this. And um, I'm just thinking also off the top of my head, oh God, what's the, the Kate Winslet movie that Jackie Earl Haley had his wonderful comeback. Oh, uh, Little Children. That's another one. Yeah. Like, I think without Tarantino and the kind of, the subversive kind of scripts that dared to go to those dark places, mm-hmm. I think without that, that movement uh, and that of that style of screenplay, um, which now is everywhere, and yeah. of course TV shows and stuff like that, there wouldn't have been uh, an American Beauty. Like I don't, and not in the sense that I don't know if a movie would have been made yeah. because it's a because this this movie is a gamble, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's it's a movie that it deals with a lot of uh, subjects, you know, uh, that in 1999 were taboo. Yeah, and of course, there many are still taboo, but yeah. now. Um, so the the fact that the studio I, I don't I forget what studio released it was DreamWorks. It was oh, DreamWorks. The DreamWorks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but they knew that this was going to be a big film yeah. at the time. Kevin Spacey was primarily a for about ten fifteen years or so had been primarily a stage and supporting actor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think after Usual Suspects and Outbreak and The Negotiator, yeah. The Negotiator was a test because I think that was the first film that he kind of was the co-lead. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, L.A. Confidential, too, LA Confidential, in that same area. Of course. Yeah. yeah, L.A. Confidential was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, and this was a gamble. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, and I don't know how you feel about this, is this movie... Is it a comedy or is it a drama? Um, I I think I look at it as a uh, I I look at it as a dark comedy. I I think that's really I I think it certainly it certainly has a lot of weight to it, dramatic weight to it. Yeah. Um, but I think fundamentally it probably is more of a uh, dark comedy than it is in in really has a subversive sense of humor mm-hmm. in the same vein that you mentioned the Coen brothers and Tarantino and stuff. Oh, like that. Fargo um, and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And so I do think, uh, and I, I definitely see where you're coming from as far as like this American beauty sort of caught this wave of this independent style basically starting to become mainstream in terms of the way people were writing, the way people were like, you know, for a long time. And really it goes with the sea change that started to happen around this time with TV too, where TV, especially with um, the cable networks getting in on original TV programming, like Sopranos, 
started this year, and then you had Six Feet Under with Alan mm-hmm. Ball, who wrote this amazing yeah. script. Uh, you had you had this you had this change in the way people were writing uh, for popular culture, and so and people were attuned to that, and people were really excited about that, and so it was natural to see it happen start to happen in more and more mainstream films. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like we said, this is a DreamWorks production. And uh, so, I mean, it at the time, DreamWorks was a major studio. Or, I mean, mm. they were still trying to be a major studio. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think one of the things that... But ultimately, I think this is... I, I think it's more... I think it, it's ultimately wanting, I think, to be more dark comedy than drama. But, I mean, there's certainly enough dramatic weight to it i mean you mentioning ordinary people was a very good example of this um of the same type of story where it's basically it's basically a family the the tensions in a dysfunctional family coming undone yeah and uh but the thing is the one of the things that i really uh that I recognize at the time when American Beauty came out, but even recognize even more watching it again recently, was the fact that it, I don't know what it was in 1999, but there was a wealth of films that American Beauty is one of the best examples of, and there are great examples throughout the year of movies that where the main characters um the way they see reality is basically coming it it's basically changing in pretty profound ways mm-hmm. i mean the the movies that i identified at the time in the same vein were fight club and office space where which i mean are completely different ways of which are completely different ideas, but they're also this they're idea of, of men trying to take back a freedom that they feel like commercialism and consumerism has taken away from them, and corporatism yeah, has taken away from them. Um, but really, if you think about it, like you, you put you could put being John Malkovich in that same type of. Yeah. Uh, area. You could put the Matrix in that same but type of But anything that Noah Baumbach has, you know, Squid and the Whale, or yeah. uh, Margot with the Wedding. I mean, and I think, like, I think one of the things that American Beauty did is that it made it okay for movies to be dark. Yeah. Dark humor, and that, because, like, uh, you know, a lot of the movies that we mentioned, I mean, a movie like Office Space is brilliant, but it, it's we. I think there's the relatability. We've all worked yeah. for a Bill Thumberg. Um, it's a different attack on it, but like um, when you really think about it, like the uh, the character that oh god, what is the name? Um, the Peter who plays Peter in Office Space. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, Ron, Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston. Yeah. Thank you. Um, is a is a. <laughs> Is is what he's doing is terrible. Is yeah. ludicrous, but yeah. you kind of you cheer him on. But it's 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 like the Seinfeld mentality. It's like we mm-hmm. laugh at these characters, but if we knew any of them, <laughs> we would be like, you know, and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to a different diner. But oh, I, so I think I think there's a there was a trend 
And thankfully, because, you know, prior to that, I mean, it was getting into that a little bit in the 70s. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always say the golden age of, of American film is from around when Bonnie and Clyde up to Raging Bull, 67 yeah. to 1980. Yeah. In there, the attacks on kinds of films and the word that is often used is gritty. Mm-hmm. Movies like The Friends of Eddie Coy or The French Connection that really, I mean, across 110th Street is that you could smell the garbage mm-hmm. in New York. You can like, you know, you could tell like it's the seediness. Midnight Cowboys, same thing. I think when um, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and American Beauty and Juno and Squid and the Whale and Many, 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 many other films, uh, being John Malkovich, Adaptation is another one, is that they were able to craft screenplays. Screenplays were crafted that showed the good, the bad, and the ugly of characters, Mm -hmm. which is what life is, which is what Billy Wilder had been trying to do. You know, you watch a movie like Sunset Boulevard, and that movie is as relevant today that movie is more relevant to me, I think, than All About Eve. I think All About Eve is a bit of an overrated film. Mm-hmm. I don't, th- I don't think it's aged very well. But Sunset Boulevard, it, yeah. it, it's frightening <laughs> how, like, if that movie was made today, they wouldn't have to change a thing. No. I don't think. No, no. I mean, you'd have to change things based on period, but the basic story structure would be fundamentally the same. Yeah, and I mean, it's. You're absolutely right. It's every bit as relevant now as it could as it was then. And mm-hmm. I mean, another Billy Wilder film that I know American Beauty was compared to a lot was The Apartment. Yeah, with Jack Lemmon, and same basic idea of you know guy who realizes that his life is he he feels like his life has lost a bit of its meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and the to thing is, how to maneuver that. And you know uh, that that another movie, The Apartment, that was billed as a comedy. Mm-hmm. That movie is not a comedy. Yeah, it it it's a really another film relevant, especially in the wake of everything that's going on now with with the Me Too movement. Is that that movie is most definitely not a comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like what Dustin Hoffman said. Dustin Hoffman never intended Tootsie to be a comedy. Yeah, because of. Um, I think the attack on it was different. But the thing about The Apartment is that that movie is ultimately very sad because you know in the end that Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine are not going to make it. They're mm-hmm. not going to make a couple. Yeah. I always equated the trajectory of Lemmon's career. As you may know, I'm a Lemmon nut. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> if you think about, and I guess I, Spacey's sort of has these kind of parallels, but if you took the character in The Apartment – and he becomes Harry Stoner in Save the Tiger, a failure, who eventually becomes Shelley Levine in Glengarry Glen Ross. You yeah. just see the trajectory over three decades of this broken man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's something about, and like that, those are movies that, I mean, Save the Tiger was a movie that was made. I think actors got paid scale. Nobody wanted to touch it because nobody wanted to make a movie about, a garment guy who, you know, who's basically close to uh, going to jail for embezzlement. I mean, but 
But American Beauty was a gamble. I remember it. I remember when the Oscars. I never saw a campaign for the Academy Awards like I saw for American Beauty, mm-hmm. because Spacey was not the favorite. The favorite that year was was Denzel Washington. Yeah, and for, I was, and I was, I had to look up who was nominated for Best Actor that year because I had forgotten and. So Kevin Spacey won. You had Denzel Washington for the Hurricane, mm-hmm. uh, who yes was the other. He was the favorite because he, he had won he the was Golden the Globe. Other favorite, um, and then you had Russell Crowe for The Insider, who a lot of people feel like should have won. Brilliant performance. And then you had Richard Farnsworth for The Straight Story, mm-hmm. who was fantastic. And then Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown. Right. Um, yeah, I had to look that up because I had forgotten who the who the best actor nominees were that year. Um, it really like thinking back on those performances and rewatching some of those movies. I might think otherwise, but I would still give Kevin Spacey the Oscar for that because it's. I think so. Work. Well, it, it's such a strong work, and at that time he. You remember, he was riding high. He went from mm-hmm. this to this lauded production of The Iceman Cometh, yes. which he was doing, it, and he did on Broadway. So he was he was hot, yeah. really, at that. And I think the Academy, and I think it's also, you know, we've heard the stories about that he campaigned, you know, talking to, you know, with uh, lobbying Gregory Peck and Jack mm-hmm. Lemmon and, you know, all of his Academy yeah. friends. Um, I don't know how that works or helps or what yeah. have you, but um, I, I think uh, – but he was not the favorite that night. I, I mm-hmm. think the film may have been um, – I think The Insider was a long shot, I well, think. Yeah, there was – and there was there was doubt leading up to Oscar night. Like the acting – I think the only real – let's see, looking back on it. Yeah, I mean, really, so looking at the rest of the acting categories, Michael Caine won for Cider House Rules. Mm-hmm. He was probably the prohibitive favorite there. Although, I think I mean, Tom Cruise was, but I that, think Michael, I mean, you know. I mean, that was that was another big category because he had that was a good That was a good Tom, category. Talented Mr. Ripley for Jude Law, Tom Cruise for Magnolia, Haley Joe Osmond for Sixth Sense, and Michael Clark Duncan for Green Mile. Any one of them, yeah, you know. You, now, Best Actress, I it was basically between Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry, who was the winner, and that Benning. And you weren't yeah. really sure who was going to win up until that night. Well, you know what the Academy Awards does, and I wonder if this is going to happen uh, in this year, is that, you know, Lady Gaga is nominated for song and for lead actress. Right. I think she's a shoe-in. Her and Mark Ronson, they're a shoe-in. That they figure, well, she's going to have an Oscar, and mm-hmm. that many are feeling that it's between her and Glenn Close. Yeah. Uh, and that maybe Glenn Close is going I mean, to... The wife, I thought she was outstanding in. I, thought, like, uh, I still haven't uh, seen the wife. It's, it's wonderful in that mm-hmm. it, it's, it's definitely very smartly done, but you will see... And... Like just subtlety, like it's not mm-hmm. what Glenn Close says; it's what she doesn't say. Right. I mean, uh, and I think also the Academy 
acknowledges uh, careers. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Jeff Bridges, I love Jeff Bridges. I liked Crazy Heart. I didn't think it was mm-hmm. his greatest performance, but they, the Academy does do that. Yeah. They acknowledge the career, um, you know, and uh, I think she's very deserving of it, but mm-hmm. I, I think Melissa McCarthy or, I mean, I think I would be happy with any one of them. I think, call me, I think Melissa McCarthy's probably a long shot just because I don't know if many people s- saw that yeah. film um but it's it's and on one hand it's kind of nice that there's potentially going to be surprises mm-hmm. uh like i don't i don't know if roma is the guaranteed i don't know if that's a lot now i i really like this is this is this is probably a year with more doubt in terms of what could end up winning the oscars than i i can remember in a long time because usually, you know, we, I mean, tonight is the Screen Actors Guild Awards and yeah. all of the, the critics' awards are happening. So by the time the Oscars happen, uh, and the ratings have been down yeah. considerably the last couple of years, people don't care, I think, you know, like because uh, mm-hmm. it's already, well, the Golden Globes were kind of a, I think people were genuinely shocked by the reactions, yeah. or shocked by the results. Um, yeah. But uh, you know who knows? I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. It, it's nice to be surprised. I mm-hmm. mean, I think the last time I was surprised was when Adrian Brody won over. Yeah, that was for the pianist. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I thought that and I thought that was going to be Nicholson. I thought mm-hmm. Nicholson was going to take uh, yeah get number four. But I mean, a delightful shock as everybody yeah. was. But, uh, you never know with these things. Um, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and yeah, and it is funny because of the fact that I, I remember one of the things that when when American Beauty, you know, American Beauty won, it was basically a lot of people sort of framed it in terms of DreamWorks versus uh, Miramax. Yeah. Like the previous year, Shakespeare and Love. Shakespeare and Love, yeah. Ryan. And this year, and the in 1999 Miramax had Cider House rules mm-hmm. which is a fine film i mean it's not a, it's a, it's a good film it's yeah i mean really it's um it's not i mean it's not a movie that uh i like the i like i i remember watching it cuz i like the cast and i like yeah. Lasse Hallstrom uh the book you know if you're a John Irving fan but it's uh it's a fine movie yeah i mean it it really i don't know that it necessarily deserved all of the recognition it got that year, but I mean, it was like, okay, it's especially when you consider so many of the other films that. Oh yeah. You can count on me and and, yeah, you can count on me Requiem for a dream. And and of course, I mean, you know, when Julia Roberts, well, the next year one for, you know, Aaron Brockovich, that was was all the next year you can count on me and yeah. And stuff like that. But I mean, just, you know, looking at 1999, I mean, you could have easily put Magnolia in there, or you yeah. could easily put Talented Mr. Ripley, or mm. you know, there are any number of ways you could have had the act, the uh, Best Picture category that year. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that you it it just differs from you it different years. Years are weird. Well, time. and you know, with the Oscars, I mean, it's. Many times, you know, you know, you make your predictions and it's kind of like, you know, the nominations come out and 
there weren't many surprises because, um, I mean, I, I was a little, I mean, I liked Black Panther. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very entertaining film, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't think it deserved a best picture nomination. Um, I mean, the movie made, has made what seven hundred million dollars. Yeah, seven hundred million. It doesn't need an Academy Award. It's already <laughs> won. You know, yeah. so uh, it's kind of like. Uh, but uh, if if a movie can inspire, you know, kids and get them interested in the movies and, and things like that and messages, and, yeah. I mean, all for it. I mean, it was mm. it was very very well done, very entertaining, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it is one of Marvel's best movies, if if not their best movie as far as the MCU goes. Um, I Yeah, I mean, this, this year I could very well see Spike Lee being, you know, picture and director for Black Klansmen. I mean, that I was, see I, that happen. It was extraordinary. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen, though. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I think, if anything, he has a shot at is the writing, the, the screenplay award. Um, I don't know if, I, I mean, I think the easy money is on Alfonso Caron, uh, just cause, yeah, for, um, for director. Yeah. Um, I would, the, the one movie that of, of the, the screeners movies that I saw this year was vice. I think that was the most underwhelming. It was, I don't know. Have you seen vice? I've had chances. Vice and green book are actually the only two I have not seen of the best well, picture nominees. But, yeah, Green Book. Green Book was is a fine film. Yeah. The problem is, is that I don't like the, the Green Book and Vice. In my opinion, have the same problem: is that they don't tell us anything new. Yeah. The gr Green Book. I mean, and people have compared it to Driving Miss Daisy. There's a little bit of that element. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, it was a very, it, it was very, very well done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kudos for Peter Farrelly for stepping up his. <laughs> game and doing something completely different yeah. and it's marvelously acted mm -hmm. but uh the general story it, it doesn't it's you know it, there were things that are predictable like okay they're going to be they have this kind of odd couple kind of right. on the road thing um they're going to encounter this they're going to encounter that but you know, i mean it was it was competently done it's not by no means a bad film but again with the criticism of when Driving Miss Daisy won the Academy Awards up against Do the Right Thing, yeah. is anybody going to be talking about Driving Miss Daisy 30 <laughs> years later? Yeah, no. Exactly. And no one's, no one's going to be talking about Green Book 30 years yeah. later. I think the same thing with Vice. Vice is competently done. Adam McKay is probably – he takes an attack on it like Sidney Lumet and Patty Chayefsky did with Network. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, but it's really for the performances, but it doesn't tell us anything yeah. new about Dick Cheney. Um, yeah. but, uh, he, I mean, Christian Bale, of course, is extraordinary. Um, I loved his Golden Globe speech, <laughs> <laughs> but, and but again, he might win. Yeah. I think because of the physical transformation, but then again, he might not because who wants to be, who wants to reward Dick Cheney? <laughs> <laughs> So it, it's it's one of those things. It, it was a very very good year for movies, um, yeah. but who knows? But but more on American Beauty. This is one <laughs> yeah, we could talk about. Yeah, for let, let's go back to American Beauty because there. But the thing is, it's like when you're talking about American Beauty, the Oscars are going to come up, and I mean, there's there's always going to be comparison contrast with 
uh, Oscar years. And I mean, certainly this this year is no different. And I mean, the, the so the conversation that we're having is, I mean, just as just as worthwhile as just talking about the film in general. Um, as far as the film, I mean, obviously the big. I think the big thing that was probably the most controversial aspect of American Beauty then, and certainly is now in light of uh, uh, Kevin Spacey, is the the dynamic between him and uh, Mano Saveri as Angela. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because Mano Saveri was just coming off of American Pie, which had come out that summer. She had a smart agent because from yeah. American Pie to do something completely different like this... Yeah. Um, the sad fact is I can't think of another – I really can't think of another movie that she's – It's been a while she's, since she's yeah. really been in anything significant, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because um, she, she was marvelous in the film. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. She I mean, absolutely it's is. Not an easy part to play. I mean, no. you know, uh, you know, the nudity and, mm-hmm. you know, all of uh, – it's it's tough. It's yeah. a tough, and I thought she was marvelous. Same thing with Thora Birch and all, all of the, like they were teenagers. They were not like they like you believed that the they were legitimate teenagers. You know yeah. who were yeah. pissed off and you mm-hmm. know frustrated and uh, alone basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the the things about this movie, I mean. I remember when everything first started coming out about Spacey, mm-hmm. you know, when Bill Cosby, I think he had his Kennedy Center or Mark Twain prize. Yeah. Recit- and then there was all of this talk about the Academy should rescind Roman Polanski's Oscars, Kevin Spacey's mm-hmm. Oscars. When you get into things like that, I mean, what are they, what are they going to do? They're going to give it up to the runner up, you know, I mean, yeah. like Bryce Waterhouse, but, uh, I think the the what's happening now is that Kevin Spacey in the court of public opinion he's already lost. He's yeah. never going to work. Yeah. He, he, I don't I don't think he can ever work again. A couple of months ago I would have thought, you know, given time Louis CK could have come back, but I think he's kind of yeah. you know, blown that uh and I don't he didn't take the time to really just be out of the public eye. Yeah. And of course, I mean, it was, I think it was Christmas day that we, I saw that video of Spacey doing yeah, the, the cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, and, and that's one of the things that I'm thinking of writing about. I'm working on writing about for Sonic Cinema, an article on that, where it's like, one of the things I've noticed, especially on like Twitter and stuff like that is, you know, if if you if you're going to basically if you're going to not watch movies or care about movies that have any association directly or indirectly to people who've been accused of things that Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. has, Roman Blansky has, you're gonna run out of movies. So it's like you kind of have to pick your battles. And it's like Yeah. I'm and like you said, as far as the rescinding of the Oscars, it's like, what is that going to accomplish? I, mean, I I don't see what the <laughs> uh, the point of that. I mean, for Cosby, all of the terrible things that you know he did, uh, the rescinding of awards, I don't 
I mean, the the awards it doesn't matter because like, he's got he's what eighty eight, eighty nine years old. Yeah. Like you can receive every Emmy or whatever he's won. He doesn't care. Yeah, it's like you know the Michael Jackson documentary that has come out, which I haven't seen yet. I mean, no. uh, I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have, but in a way, it it, yeah. it doesn't matter. He's dead. Yeah, and I mean, people can stop listening to his music or what have you. Or R- mm-hmm. same thing with R. Kelly. I mean, uh, I don't know what like taking away an award that was given twenty twenty five years ago. I don't. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, people are going to forget about the awards and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it'll yeah. be mentioned when, you know, in their obituary and obituary, stuff like that. Obituary, yeah. That's, that's really what it boils down to. It's like, you're not going, you know, it sort of, you know, there's there's not much you can, you know, it's like, it's, there are a lot of other Oscars that I think are a little bit more egregious that mm-hmm. I'd like to see change, but, you know, I don't watching the movie again, I don't know if I would necessarily say Spacey's is one of them. I mean, he was very, very good, and he was yeah. exceptional in American Beauty. He was well, exceptional I, in The Usual Suspects. And the thing is also, you know, Kevin Spacey, the man, is accused of this. Yeah, Kevin Spacey playing Lester Burnham, he was giving a performance. Mm-hmm. So the Oscar is for the performance, not for... Right. It's, it wasn't a documentary, so uh, and I, I think that's I think that's one of the things that's sort of I I was not quite sure how I was going to feel about it uh, rewatching it because it had been a while since I had seen American Beauty. It was that that relationship with that dynamic he has with Angela, the man who's a very character mm-hmm. in it. That I wasn't sure how I was going to react to it and. Watching it, it's like the fancy sequences, which are very obviously fancy sequences in the context yeah. of the movie, are what really make that uncomfortable. If you think about, if you take out the fancy sequences in that storyline, you you can very plainly see that she's very knowing of the relation of what she inspires in somebody like Lester. But you also see, and one of the things that really struck me is at the very end of the movie, when you think that they're actually going to do something, and all yeah. of a sudden that twist happens where it's like, oh, by the way, I'm not actually a, who you think I am. In it was all an act. And, But you also see, but that also inspires a side of Lester that we haven't seen throughout the entire film, which is more... Snapped out of it. I I think he was living kind of a fantasy world, and I think at that moment, it's a wonderful moment. That's a wonderful Mm -hmm. scene, because he snaps out of it like, oh my God, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Like, I I think he was back to reality. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I mean... I would absolutely agree with that. And the thing is, you know, you think of all of the elements... One of the things also that really makes this movie pop is is the music. Thomas Newman's uh, like, and it's been oft parodied, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's a that's a wonderful dramatic score. It, it like is. it really adds <laughs> to it, you know it, that that wonderful opening and uh, yeah, 
and all of that, like it brings you into this because it has this kind of, there's a little bit of like, it's mischievous. Yeah. That, like there's just yeah. something like something's going to happen mm-hmm. that, that it's going to knock you off your socks. Well, I mean, that's, and that's Thomas Newman. I mean, that's the way he's. Scored. I love Thomas I mean, Newman. If you, oh God, I mean, I, you know, you, you, you look at something like Fine Nemo. You look at something like Road to Perdition. That you, yeah. uh, you look yeah. at something like Wally, and it's like it's that same. Now, I mean, it's it's that same sort of sound, but done in. But he's showing off different things each time, and I oh, absolutely yeah. adore his score in this movie. I was crushed when it didn't win the Oscar because mm-hmm. I loved it. It was one of my favorite scores. Yeah, and um, it was it was one of those things. Exactly what you said. The very beginning of that score, it really with with the narration from Spacey's care from Lester that we that sort of clues us in on what we're going to see, but not quite because I mean you you sort of wonder whether it's like you, the way he because it basically points starts out by saying, you know, I'm dead. And this is this is what's happening, but it's like you don't necessarily you sort of lose sight of that for a minute mm-hmm. until it comes back at the end. Uh but yeah. I love way- that ending, the ending sequence, how that's all Yeah. You know, it shows like her his grandmother's hands and mm-hmm. the car and uh like that there was a time when he was happy. Yeah. He had he had joy, and I think he felt. I mean, it's like you know, you see, like he felt that joy again the moment before he was killed. Yeah, and I don't think he had felt that for the entire for the duration of the movie. Oh no, and and that's the thing. It's like all the entire movie is basically him trying to recapture that joy. And yeah, he thinks, and to a certain extent. And for Lovett, he thinks, oh, you know, if I could get somebody like Angela to recognize me, it's like, well, that will do it. Or quit like, my job. Or, or if I smoke pot, or if yeah. I work out, if I do, you know, all of these things. And, you know, anybody with who battles depression or has low self-esteem, mm-hmm. I think that's what people connected on it as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it, it clicked. It clicked with audiences because it was funny. It was heartfelt, mm-hmm. and I think we were able to kind of look—not look past, but it—and not even accept. I don't even know what the word is, but like, uh, had feel empathy that yeah. even in the midst of the thoughts that were rolling around in Lester's head, I think that's ultimately why people connected to the movie. I would agree people, with that. Yeah. People had empathy for him. Yeah. I would think. I would agree with that. And yeah. I mean, again, it was one of these movies as, you know, in that year where it was about people, it was it was this idea that life has beaten me down. How do I how do I get out of this funk that life has put me in? And you look at something like Fight Club, that takes one way of looking at it, and it's a very destructive way of looking at it. You look at Office Space, it takes the absurd way of, out of it, because mm-hmm. like you said earlier, it's like, if you if you worked with somebody like Peter, 
like you if if they didn't get fired you would distance for what yourself from him in the office like, if if they didn't get fired for what they were doing you'd be like what's going on yeah but at the I same mean, time we empathize with him because we under he as the main character we understand sort of why he feels the way he does and it's the same thing with lester yeah, it's like we we can you know we I think you watch a movie like that or you watch Peter in Office Space and you're like well I'd like to do that. Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> I always I often think cite as an example. There's the scene in Love Actually where Hugh Grant, as the Prime Minister with Billy Bob Thornton standing there, basically tells the president off some mm-hmm. look foolish. And I said, well, that's a nice idea. Yeah. We'd all like <laughs> to tell him off, but there's consequences. There's the aftermath of mm-hmm. that where it's. You know, there's no way that I mean, well, maybe the the guy that we currently have, you know, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, tell him off all you want, but yeah. like, I mean, and I think that's the thing about you know movies is that uh, it, it's what we would aspire to be, but if we ever did it, we'd be like, well, God, I deserve to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I would never act the same. The I would never deliberately act the way Peter does in in, yeah. in my job. I mean, I don't know if, if you did. It's like you expect to get fired on the spot. Um, this one thing that American Beauty has a lot of, they have a lot of moments of uh, of unspoken moments, like of the of the actors, and I think every actor really has one in the movie that say like paid as a dialogue the mm. whole sequence of annette benning cleaning yeah. the house yeah and you know not making the sale and mm. you know telling herself that she's not good enough or uh chris cooper i mean just all of them i i love that yeah i mean many movies have always done that but this one it always and every time i watch the movie it always sticks out at me that like god they're all so they're all different levels of unhappy, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, depression or whether it's lack of confidence or what have you, you know, yeah. um, I, I think one of the things that really sells this movie, especially is that, that we could relate. I mean, we've all had those, if, if you know, those dinners with your family where mm-hmm. you the, the tension is there, and if anybody says the wrong thing, yeah, you know, someone's going to throw a plate of asparagus <laughs> at the wall. Yeah. Oh no, and and absolutely right. I mean, I I think that's where you know, and you look at the you you look at the character of Ricky, the West Bentley character in the movie, and it's like he's he's basically he and Jane uh, Thor Birch's character they basically are the ones who see through everybody else's bullshit. And they're the ones who I think they make it. Yeah. And I I, think, I think they do. I, yeah. And ultimately they're probably the healthiest couple in that, in the entire film. Mm -hmm. I mean, other than, uh, Scott Bakula and Sam Robards, but, and I, and Peter, Peter Gallagher, because Peter Gallagher, his character, he's great. He's great in everything. Yeah. But he, he knows exactly who he is and mm-hmm. there's that confidence about, I mean, like, uh, like, yeah, he knows exactly who he is, but yeah. and West Bentley and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think make it because they do see through 
the BS, yeah. you know, at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they see how everybody else's actions are affecting other people. Like mm-hmm. Ricky sees the way sees and is defenseless to how his 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 father being the way he is has beaten down his mother. And you know, Jane how everybody sees, plays a part. Yeah. And and Jane sees just how uh full of you know un unreal uh confidence or unbelievable uh pep and confidence Caroline is and it's like she realizes that it's like it's all an act they're all playing a part and yeah. that's uh and you know we we know that we've all we've all gone to parties where you you see you know a husband and a wife you know they're, they're putting on an act the reality is is that it's obvious it's, yeah. and it's obvious to you know it's it's obvious to everyone but yeah. uh they they keep the facade up, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Cooper, Chris Cooper should have been acknowledged. I think. Uh, yeah. I know he was for a Screen Actors Guild Award, but uh, he, yeah, I um, he was. I I think he was nominated for SAG that year. But, uh, but yeah, he. Uh, but he and you know, talking about him is that you know this repressed military man, you know, who carries on this kind of. You know the military's got the haircut. You know yeah. he still calls him, addresses himself in his military, uh, his ranking. Um, but he has this secret, yeah, that he thinks that he can let it out, and he he when he he's not going to be found out, so he mm-hmm. has to do, do. Yeah. Now it's. It's an extraordinary movie, and I think that you know. I mean, there are some people who have said like, "Oh, I can't watch this. The movie's not the same, you know, because of whatever happened." That I said, "Well, you know, you have to remember, Kevin Spacey's not the first person <laughs> in the history of Hollywood. You know, no. uh, is, is anyone never going to watch a Charlie Chaplin movie again because of everything that happened with him, or yeah. you know, with uh, or who was the?" Uh, or is anyone ever going to watch a Lana Turner movie again because her mm-hmm. daughter married, you know, Mansell? I mean, it's, it's a movie. I mean, uh, I think, you you know, and you, you can separate. I think American Beauty might be different because of what Spacey is. Yeah. Of, and mm-hmm. but the thing is, he never he never acts on it in the movie. You know, he has yeah. the thought and. But uh, I honestly don't know what I mean. The you know the, the seeing him in court, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know yeah. that what's going to happen is that I think you know criminal court cases. I think they want to they want to deal with Harvey Weinstein. They want to deal with Kevin Spacey. I don't know if they want to. I mean, I haven't heard anything about Dustin Hoffman since, frankly, no. since no, Oliver fronted. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't know about that. I mean, I haven't really heard about that. Um, and and it's it's one of those things where it's like ultimately, I think part of what it it just kind of depend. I I think part of what makes it difficult for some people with certain movies, like with Kevin Spacey and American Beauty, is how much does 
how much does the film sort of reflect what we're finding out about? Like Woody Allen is a great example. Yeah. Like I, I, I completely understand why people would not necessarily want to watch a Woody Allen film again, because he puts so much of himself into his movies, especially the ones that he stars in. And uh... also he, and he also, and if what you, if what you know about his personal life creeps you out that much, I can completely understand not necessarily wanting to watch some of those movies again. I do take issue, however, with some of the actors who have they've made a movie with him recently, and I I I, I don't know who the actors are. I mean, I don't want to say, yeah. but then they come back and they say, "I regret working with him." And my thing is, well. <laughs> No one put a gun to your head saying you had to work with him. You well, wanted to work with him. I mean, I don't know. It, it was... Well, and especially, especially with Woody Allen, it's like all of that has been known for... Like, 25 years. This is new, really, with him. Like, yeah. It's, it's all been known for a couple of decades now. And so it's just been a matter of what, how much credence you give... Um, give that compared to other situations. I mean, mm -hmm. his is, his is arguably it for me, it's always been arguably the most complicated one because it really boils down to just one instance and a series of events during that time. Yeah. And I mean, Polanski's another one. Really, yeah. It's hard to really know what to make of that. Mm -hmm. So, and Polanski's another one. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously he's never going to set foot in the U.S. again. But no. uh, I mean, but the thing is, people still clamor to work with him because yeah. I mean, he you know separating he is. I mean, he is a brilliant director. Mm -hmm. But like separating, but that's the thing is, I don't know if we, and I don't know if we'll ever know in the case of. Kevin Spacey, Roman Polanski, even Bill Cosby, and yeah. uh, not obviously not condoning anything if they did do it. But I don't think we ever. I don't think we're ever going to know the full story. I don't think we're going to ever know. I mean, there was a review that came out yesterday that said the Michael Jackson documentary paints a picture that Michael Jackson did indeed yeah. abuse children. Well, that's it's an opinion. I mean, that's evidence. Mm -hmm. it, it really, and I, and uh, I mean, because it's like. It, I don't think I don't think we're ever going to know. I think because uh, it's and the only in the case of Kevin Spacey and Anthony Rapp, the only two people who really know what happened are yeah. Kevin Spacey and Anthony Rapp. And but I think it's all in the details. But uh, I mean, I think it's good that these people are being brought to task for these actions if they mm -hmm. did happen. I think either way. Kevin Spacey can never. I don't think he's ever going to get another job again. Certainly not in yeah. in in this country. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. It's if 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 he does. Yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, well, I think him posting that video. This is the thing I joked and I said, who who directed and who edited <laughs> that yeah. video. Like who did Kevin Spacey call him up and say, "Hey, I got a great idea. You know, my I, I'm already drowning here. Let's let's drown a little deeper. I mean, get he, you up to he, edit this. You know, he had directed before, so I mean, yeah. it, it, I I doubt. I mean, he's the one who actually directed it, but 
Uh, Not like he I called mean, David Fincher <laughs> before. So, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I think if, I think whether, whether a person is able to, I think one of the big things with issues like this is whether a person is able to step back and sort of at least acknowledge that um that what they may have may or may not have done is wrong and yeah. to understand why those actions hurt people like louis ck it's like he's joking about like it's nothing and it's like yeah uh, no that's not how so you you took a year off and then you're all this not even i think yeah yeah, it, yeah. but I mean, I think that's that's one of those things where it's like I think if if you have somebody who like comes back and sort of realizes that, and I think that's part of the I think that's part of the issue with a lot of people with when it comes to people like Spacey, like Weinstein, and you know, like Louis C.K. Where it's like, you know, are you, you know, are you at least going to acknowledge that you know people. I mean, Louis C.K. admitted it. Like, it that's the thing. He admitted what he did. He acknowledged and, what he uh, did. He just isn't really showing much in the way of... Enlightenment and... Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, remorse, but... Wrong. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I think... I mean, he, he's been a... He's a kind of comic that does come out and talk about these kinds of things. Yeah. The thing is... If I am an audience member and, you know, and he comes in and I'm seeing this and you're on the edge of your seat wondering, oh, God, what are you going to say? Like, are yeah. you going to address it? On one hand, he's got balls for doing it because it's, it's hard enough being a comedian. But at the same time, it's like that's the I, I think I personally think it's the wrong attack. Yeah. I mean, because because it's like you said, it's telling the world that you're not. You haven't learned anything yeah. from it. I mean, and, you know, now we're at a time where, I mean, comedians, I think Chris Rock or someone came out and said, you know, comedians can't even talk about taboo subjects anymore. It's like, maybe not. I mean, like, uh, for the time being, because um, it's a tense time. I mean, I, I feel like it boils down to sort of pick your battles and sort of, you know, it pick your battles. It's like, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I, and I mean, I, I do, I'm, I'm somebody who I, I do feel like a lot of, I, I do think people are too PC a lot of times. It's like, I, I understand the whole, I, I understand why people would be politically correct, but at the same time, I feel like at a certain point, you're going a little too far with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe that's at the point we're at. I'm not quite sure, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, I I think you how you approach it matters almost as much as whether you approach it or not. I think yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I think when he when Louis C.K. first came on and did his um, but see, it's not his style. If he went to the comedy cellar and went up and apologized 
Oh, yeah. That's just not his style. His style, I think, is kind of brash and kind of in your Mm -hmm. face, you know, not afraid to go there. Um, But the timing of it was just, I was like, oh, no, 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 go, go away. Yeah. Take another, take another six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, my thing is, you know, with American beauty, it's still, I, I have no issues with, I mean, I, I can still watch it and acknowledge it and still see that. I, I, I really think, I think it's a masterpiece. I think, you know, mm-hmm. the writing, I, I, the cinematography, I yeah. think it was that. I don't know if that was a Conrad Hall. Yeah, it was. It uh, was. Who was like the master. Yeah. Um, the performances from top to bottom, mm. um, how it's lit, um, you know, the coloring. I mean, like, you know, yeah. when the opening shot of them, like it just has like a suburbia and, a, and mm. the leaves and the coloring and all of that. I mean, it's um, it's a movie that now I, I think if everything with Kevin Spacey hadn't been happening, it's still a movie that people would have been talking about 20 yeah. years. Later. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I mean, I was, like I said, I mean, I was, I was nervous going into a rewatch for it, but I'm, I'm glad I did because it's like, I, there's a lot about the movie that I had actually forgotten at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I had completely forgotten Peter Gallagher's, character and that subplot and stuff like that there it'd been so long that it's like oh wow some of this completely and i forgot some of the elements of the subplot with uh man severi and the turn at the end where it's like and i i think that's that's one of the things about great films and i would say that like you, I would say American Beauty is a great film. It still holds up as one of the best movies of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely understand why it would make un- people uncomfortable. And like I like I argued in my review recently, my written review recently, I think that's kind of what it's going for. And I mean, it's you know, you look at the tagline of the movie. The tagline of the movie is "Look closer." Yeah, and I I think. I think this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of things about it that are movie-like and, you know, where he blackmails his boss and stuff like that. There are a lot of things that would Mm -hmm. really only work in a movie that you couldn't, that couldn't work at all in real life. But at the same time, I mean, I, I think there's, there's a lot of insight into how it is to try to navigate the adult world and and try to manage being, you know, living a life that you think you're supposed to be, that you're supposed to be happy in. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to make you yourself happy. I think a good movie like this, like the apartment, it, it puts a mirror up to the audience and hints that, these these characters are familiar to you, and they even hint that you may have some of their characteristics. I mean, yeah. you know, I think the Annette Benning character, especially everyone wants to succeed. Everyone wants to, mm. you know, be the top, be the yeah. top dog. In the case of Angela, everyone wants to be admired and acknowledged and looked at, um, you know, and be admired. Yeah. 
the thing about the Wes Bentley and the Thora Birch characters is that they are looked at as not caring, but the reality is is that they care very deeply. They just have a different journey. They mm-hmm. just have a different uh, outlook on things, and it's very mature. Well, they're more introverted. They're yes. more introverted. They're they're more the the way they the they care. They they just don't acknowledge it the way that other people do. The way Caroline does, or Angela does, or <clears throat> Lester does, and it's like. Even Lester is a little bit introverted, at least at the start. You you sort of feel like he's because he's he's just living this boring life, and it's like it's only because of the narration that it's like we get ideas of what his real feelings are. And then more and more as the film progresses, we start to see him become more extrovert and realize that it's like this is what I need to do. Yeah, the rebirth, yeah. Well, and like, you know, you wonder, there's always like a a, a charge, like a switch, like, and for Spacey, uh, you know, when Lester started to like emerge as this kind of new Lester was when he went in and tried to blackmail his uh, boss. But I think also, I'm trying to think in the context of the movie, I think when he meets Wes Bentley's character yes. and smokes pot, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that was like like and he even says, "Wow, you're my hero, you're my new fa-. like because mm-hmm. there's just this you could see it like a switch of like oh my god like you mm-hmm. you can do that you can <laughs> uh, stick it to the man I guess basically yeah. um, it's it's. If you want to watch it again, I mean, it's because uh, there are there are so many very striking scenes all throughout the movie. I mean, uh, it's it's well paced. It's it's it, there's never a moment in the movie where I felt bored. Like, oh, they could have cut that. They could have, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, it's it it's it's crafted. Mm-hmm. It's crafted wonderfully. Um, now, I mean, when you think about it now, I mean, it was a movie that it was it was destined to win. I think it won Best Picture, Best Director, Actor. Screen I would have liked to, have, yeah, I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen Annette Bening uh, win, but Hilary Swank, and that was another one that, like, you know, I was an unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just movie. fantastic in the movie, and, and it's a hard like American Beauty. It's it's a movie. It's a different attack on things, obviously, but it's a very very hard movie to watch. Yeah, that I think the trend of like making movies that are the dare to go and attack these subjects. Yeah. The movie about, I mean, I think one of the best performances of the last 25 years was Charlize Theron and monster mm-hmm. playing Aileen Wernos. Um, you know, and just, you know, you get a glimpse into her very, very sad life. It doesn't, change or one does not condone her actions but a product of her life you know and and that's you know that she felt that she had no other choice that she felt that she was victimized and under attack um i like movies like that those are the kinds of movies that i do like movies that are 
a little off the beaten track. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I think I said it to you. I think the movie Doll It Up. I don't know. I mean, you get it so many movies, but uh, I think I had said it to you a couple of weeks ago. You have, and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But, uh, but it, it is is up next in my queue. So, oh, cool. But like that's those are the kinds of projects that I'm looking for. Like mm-hmm. scripts that like projects that scare me a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, things that are uh, scary because, and it comes down to, uh, you know, with Boys Don't Cry and American Beauty and Monster, the one thing a lot of them all have in common is the quality of the writing. Yeah. Is that they they deal with very, very dark subjects, but they're not, uh, it's not done cheesy, mm-hmm. it's not done melodramatic, it's done very, very smart that you feel empathy. Yeah. All of them. You feel empathy for... Aileen Wernos, even when you know that she killed mm-hmm. many innocent people, um, but that you feel empathy for her that, well, when she, I mean, you hope that she had found some peace when, um, in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, especially with Boys Don't Cry, American Beauty, it's like one, I, I think one of the things that really stands out about 1999 in general is the fact that you had this convergence of studio resources and independent talent and independent stories. Like something, something like American beauty five years ago would have been a Miramax film. Yeah. Not, it wouldn't have been like a DreamWorks production and major release. It would have been a movie that started off slow and then, you know, platformed eventually to a wider release. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Bean John Malkovich, you look at, you know, you, you look at Three Kings, David O. Russell's film, you look at yeah. Mo- uh, Straight Story, which was produced by Disney. It's like mm-hmm. you had a lot of, you had a lot of filmmakers who otherwise have been, will have been a few, just a few years ago, will have been relegated to art houses and independent films and they're given these they're given this freedom by studios who are willing to take a chance on something yeah and i mean that's that's one of the things that i think that's one of the things that's so interesting about this year i mean i you know and a friend of mine makes a case for 2001 being an even better year for movies and he's not if you look at the movies from that year it's not entirely wrong because you have Mohon drive you have amelie mm. Uh, Royal Ten Bombs. You have a bunch of movies that sort of took what we saw in this year, nineteen ninety nine, and just and just expanded it further. Yeah, and challenged. I I would more. agree with that. See, us. You had Ten Bombs. You had uh, what else was two thousand one? You had AI. You had Spielberg's AI. Uh-huh. Um, you had. Yeah. Uh, Oh, what else? Um, I mean, Beautiful Mind won Best Picture that year, which it was. I think I think I don't think that movie has aged well. Yeah. I think that's an example of like the Academy. I'm like, okay, Ron Howard's been around for a long time. He made a very very good a good film, not a yeah. you know not a movie that uh, I, it's kind of like you know you see a movie once and it's like okay I saw it. It's like yeah, I was like I basically. like I was like that with Borat. I was like, okay, I saw it. I don't I don't need to 
see it again. You know, it's not a movie. It's not like a cuckoo's nest where it's like, oh, God, well, I'll watch this for 10 minutes. And then right. you end up watching the whole movie again. Yeah. But, um, but like, oh, yeah. So training, I think that was what, Training Day came out. Training that Day year came too. out that year. Um, um, Ali came out that year. You had. What a. Ali, I was disappointed in Ali. I thought, um, I, I, my feeling of when I saw it, I thought, wow, I didn't think it was possible for someone to make a boring movie about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, and Will Smith was fine. I mean, yeah. like, uh, you know, I mean, but I don't think, but again, it's like, you know, the, the, the Academy voting, like, you know, what he did in Ali compared to, I think, a far superior performance in The Pursuit of Happiness, yeah. uh, which I think also was a better film. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, it's weird, like, how what the Academy kind of uh, gravitates to. And I don't know if there's mm-hmm. campaigns involved or the studios, like, you know, I don't oh, know. I'm, what... I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of campaigning and horse racing and stuff like that involved in the award season. It's like, I, I would imagine... I'm curious to see how much of that has changed over the years, but because um, I feel like it probably has, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There was an article today that uh, I just read that uh, came out about, of course, about Crash. Right. Crash over Brokeback Mountain and, yeah. uh, you know, and talking to uh, the producers of both of the films. I mean, like, uh, but, I mean, I, re- I mean, I think, now that was an academy surprise. I mean, yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone was more surprised than Nicholson. Yeah. But <laughs> but like I I think that was an instance of like the the academy voters. I mean, I remember when it came out like a lot of old Hollywood like, you know, your Ernest Borgnine who said, "Oh, I'm not going to see that movie or yeah. you know, I mean, cuz it's like, you know, a, a movie about like they said, well, a movie about gay cowboys and it says, yeah. "Well, that's not really they, it's you know, a bit redundant." Yeah, um. it's a bit. It's more than about that, yeah. but I think. Uh, and Crash is not. I mean, people, you know, knock on Crash. Crash is not a bad movie, but it's not an Academy I, I, I Award winning. I, I thought. I thought Crash was way too overdone. I thought it tried to like it. It basically bullhorned its points around instead of just mm-hmm. like trying to. It, you know, it it. I understand what it was going for. I just didn't necessarily feel like the way it did it. And I think that's some of the criticism that people have of Green Book is that Green Book, it's a nice, pleasant film, but the problem is is that it doesn't tell us anything new. Whereas yeah. in the way it's told, the way it's told, it's told very done. It's marvelously acted, but it doesn't give us any new information with Black Klansman. I think Black Klansman was one of my favorites. Yeah. And also a movie that wasn't even acknowledged, Eighth Grade. Yeah. Um, Black Klansman, even though, you know, the way it was told, it told us some really extraordinary information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Green Book could win. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um like we were saying before, it's it, on one hand, it's kind of nice to be surprised. I would like to see Star is Born acknowledge. Yeah. I think I think the song, um, 
Mm-hmm. People were upset, like, oh, Bradley Cooper was nominated for Best Director. Bradley Cooper is doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> he was nominated for actor for and co writing the screenplay. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't I don't know if he's going to win. I don't think any of those are going to yeah. uh win. I'd like to see Sam Elliott. I mean Guys have been oh, in this business 50, 50 years, but yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen. I, um, I would love to see Sam Elliott win for Stars Born. He was tremendous in it. Yeah. Um, I was, I think, best actress, I think Olivia Coleman could, but I, I think Glenn Close. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think Glenn Close is probably going to be the front runner by that. But yeah, I mean, I could. You know, I I could see Olivia Coleman if the yeah. favorite has sort of like this groundswell. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I would be fine with that. Cause yeah, I don't think uh, I, 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 there's no one that'd be like, well, if they win, I'll be disappointed. But yeah. like, uh, I think, I mean, in every year in the Academy Awards, in the performances, there are always there are hundreds of thousands of performances that don't get oh yeah uh, acknowledged for yeah. you know whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and the thing is, I, I am of the feeling now, you know, regarding the whole Oscar host thing, we need to stop having host for any of these award shows. Like the golden globes did not need a host. Uh, no offense to Sandra. Oh, and you know, Oh God, what's the other Andy Samberg, but just, just hand out. We don't need the, Screen Actors Guild Awards to have, uh, you know, no, the host. No. Um, I think the thing about the Academy Awards, they want to get a host because they're worried the ratings are going to be down if they don't have a host. The problem is it's like the ratings have been down anyway. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for them, I think, to shake things up and mm-hmm. do something a little different. You yeah. know, just uh, the show gets longer every year. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, and now I guess they're only going to have two of the song nominees, uh, which, which is absurd. I, I mean, really is really is absurd. It's like, okay, so you're going to go with the no host thing. It's like, but you're not going to give us all of the nominated songs. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I think people are just too, I, I think the people who produce the Academy Awards, who put on the Academy Awards are just too set in their thinking of what people want with the Oscars yeah. instead of really listening what people want in the Oscars. Um, well, and the thing is, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Super Bowl. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, all right, we're, they're more concerned about uh, who's performing at halftime than the game yeah. or, you know, the four hour, the four or five hours of stuff leading up to the game. It's like, yeah. you know, in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, like just they just played the game, (laughs) but they figure for advertising and I get Mm -hmm. it, you know, like the commercials and stuff like that. I don't know for the Academy Awards, if the commercials are necessarily important. They're not really a thing because I, I don't think they, they no, they're not really as much of a thing for the Oscars as the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's like, I've, I've seen people on online uh, basically say it's like, well, chances are, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't be surprising to see somebody like Netflix or somebody like that pick up the award ceremony. And it's like, you know what? You you want to make... And the way they're... It feels like the way they're trying to shorten the the uh, 
a word ceremony to make it three hours is sort of the wrong way where it's like, oh, we're not going to show all of the awards. We're not going to show all of the musical acts. It's like, uh, yeah, that's kind of the stuff we want. Yeah, I mean, I always liked the part of the Academy Awards when they would give, like, the Lifetime Achievement Oscar. Yeah. Or, you know, now they give... I mean, like... I mean, if, if I'm... Like, the when Donald Sutherland got it, I think, yeah. last year or the year before, like, I would have liked to have seen that because mm-hmm. this is a guy that's Donald Sutherland. Like, he deserves to be on, frankly, the real show, yeah. I guess. You, yeah. Uh, you know, like what they did with Peter O'Toole and Robert Redford and Sidney yeah. Poitier. I mean, you know, so... Uh, I mean, but like, yeah, they did that with Jenna Rollins, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of... this this. The technical Oscars, I guess, like yeah. they give all of the Lifetime Achievement Awards, but um, it's weird. I mean, they're going to try to get a host, although now with entering February, I, I think they're... Well, now they're resigned in the fact that they're not going to be a host. It's not going to have a host this year. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I mean, it really kind of boggles my mind that like the Academy... You know, they they haven't really it, it feels like they haven't really taken advantage of the Internet quite as much as they you they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of, oh, making like the technical awards or the honorary Oscars and stuff like that. It's like, where's clips of those? It's like, are you just waiting for the Oscar ceremony to show? Up? Maybe I want to yeah. see, you know, it's like set up a YouTube channel and just have that stuff, just have the acceptance, <laughs> the awards, those award ceremonies and all of that. Yeah. Stuff. Let us see that type of stuff. I, I think at a certain point, they're going to have to, um, at a certain point, they're going to have to go to that. I think because mm-hmm. it's like, they're, they're just so hesitant to, I, I think they just don't realize that, I'm sure a big part of the reason ratings are down isn't because of a host, isn't because of the movies. It's because people aren't watching TV as much as they used to. (laughs) Well, and and nobody wants to watch actors pat themselves on the back, you know. I mean, because by that, because by the time the Oscars have happened, there have been 27 other award shows, you know. (laughs) Uh, Like tonight, like, I mean, I'm a member of Screen Actors Guild, but. There's no reason to televise this, They're like because, yeah. you know, uh, or the, like we don't need another award show, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, and and because well, and also the Screen Actors Guild Awards. I don't know. I don't. Do they actually have any bearing on like who's actually going to, you know, win an Oscar? If you, or if you, so if you go by the fact that actors make up the largest percentage of Academy voters, you can mm-hmm. argue that it could be a bellwether, but at the same time, there have been years where it's not. No. I mean, I, I think the thing is, it's like, I I think like things like the Golden Globes and the Screen Actors and, you know, Directors Guild might be a different story, Producers Guild. Producers Guild, yeah. But... You know, just this whole Bastard. idea of the awards season leading up to the Oscars, bringing out for- front runner is kind of gone. It's kind of been that way for at least a decade or so. Oh, yeah. Well, it used to be like, you know, the New York film critics, the Los Angeles film critics, the National Society, like Chicago, maybe. Like those were the critic awards that were really 
pretty yeah. decent indicators of like, okay, well, we have an idea of who the nominees are going to be, maybe. And then you'd have the Golden Globes and maybe, and now there, there's just so many. You yeah. go on IMDb and you look at like just all of the awards, you know, I mean, no offense to any of these organizations, yeah. but it's like the Southeastern Critics, <laughs> you know, or like the, the, the Fruity Pebbles Critics Association. I don't know, you know, like yeah. uh, it's just, I mean, uh, I guess if you're, if you're on the receiving end, if you're winning these awards, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But it's like, it was like with Quentin Tarantino, you know, when he was losing, I think he won an MTV award. And he said, you know, when you've sat through award shows all season and you're getting sick yeah. and tired of being Forrest Gump yeah. winning, you know, he said, mm-hmm. I get it. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, you also wonder if you go to 27 award shows and every other time you're hearing, yeah, you're not exactly. hearing your movie be called up, I guess, you know. But yeah. Um, quick thought, uh, switching gears. So the kind of teaser trailer for uh, the new Ghostbusters Jason Reitman, uh, Leslie Jones is not happy about it. Yeah. What are your thoughts I, on? I still it? have not watched the teaser trailer. I mean, I kind of understand where Leslie Jones is coming from because I do. I, I know that they they put they not only put a lot of effort into uh, that reboot of it, mm-hmm. but they also, especially her, took a lot of shit for it. Even before the, I mean, I remember when the trailer yeah. came out, it, it it was extraordinary the amount of like anger. Like there were people yeah. who said, like, "How how dare you make?" And I said, what you, "Like like do you do you lose sleep at night?" Like you know, I mean, yeah. Paul Feig is a very talented comedy mm-hmm. director. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think the film. The film was, was fine. As, it, was, it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Good. No, it wasn't as good as it as you hoped it probably would be. But it was fine. It was. Nothing. Yeah, I think it was on. I think it was on par with Ghostbusters two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I but mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested because of Jason Reitman doing it. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how. We'll see how that goes because I mean he's really never made a movie like on that scale. Yeah, so, I mean I I think I I feel like part of it is well we're we're putting Jason Reitman in charge of it because of the fact that he's Ivan Reitman's son. And I don't Jason think Reitman's he not talented. I mean Jason Reitman's very talented, but yeah, I, I just I don't know. So. I I could see Leslie Jones's, but I I think I don't think there was any malice on Jason Reitman's no, part. I don't too. think so either. And I mean, uh, no, I mean it, it, this, you know, it happens. I mean, like my thing is, I don't know exactly what what the film is going to be. Yeah. You know, because the second Ghostbusters film came out in what nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine. And like, but it's not a bad film. I mean, it's I mean, no. it, it, it's again, it's like nothing compared to. The original, yeah. The the I don't even know if it's a a remake, a reboot. I mean, it's its I, own standalone film. Yeah, I haven't really. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't really thought about it too much since that teaser came out. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really. You know, it's like I I I need to I need to look at it a little bit more. But I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. 
So yeah, I mean, uh, hey, if he makes a good movie, I mean, uh, and that's the thing is like Ghostbusters, the the Paul Feig, like it cost a lot, and it made, I think it made a nice made chunk a of change. amount of money. I mean, it did and okay. Like, I think yeah, I think it made over two hundred million, which amazing. Now it's like you know people consider that underperforming yeah. now, like you know, which is amazing. Mm. Um, but let's see. Uh, now, any last thoughts on American Beauty? Yeah, uh, I was actually going to sway around back to that because, <laughs> in fact, unfortunately, I do have to get ready to go work. Sure, yeah. Um, I I don't really have too much more to say on it. I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of the things I wanted to say about it, I mean, we kind of talked about it. I mean, we it, it's kind of natural we're going to talk about specific things about it um, given, given what has transpired in the past 20 years and sort of like what stand and the fact that, you know, we're deep into award season, stuff like that. But I think, I think the thing that I love about American beauty and the thing that I, I'm grateful for the rewatch I had before this podcast is the fact that it put the memory, it put the movie firmly back in my head as far as what the movie actually is. And, just sort of realizing that that movie has a lot more going on than, you know, just some of the things that we may associate with it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that I, I do appreciate you uh, coming by and coming and uh, us getting this time together to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Always that. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And like, you know me, like I can, I can go off in this direction, that direction, <laughs> but like uh, we always come back, but, now it's. I, I think the film holds up very well. I think it's a movie that's going to be talked about in another twenty years and another twenty years after that. Yeah. Separate from, you know, whatever happens to Kevin Spacey, yeah. it's it's an extraordinary piece of of filmmaking, um, mm. of filmmaking, of writing, of acting. Um, no, it's it's. I, I it's always weird. However, when they put it on. TNT or TBS because it's like well you got to cut this out and that out and <laughs> yeah. this so it's kind of like and things that it, it cuts out it's it's integral to the story yeah. so I don't quite know how they uh, they often do that but yeah. uh, they do that with movies all the time I mean I like when they put Scarface on you know TBS and they have the mm-hmm. the person whose job it is to go in and dub <laughs> all of the yeah. 237 F-bombs that Pacino dropped <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Brian. Mm. We can talk movies anytime, and uh, thanks so much. Oh, no problem. Thank you. I'd like to thank Timothy J. Cox for joining me today. Uh, it's, it went in a few different directions, the conversation did, but overall I think um, American Beauty brings up some of those conversations, so it's always great to uh, talk to him about movies and uh acting and performances and we definitely will be doing more of that as the year and years go on uh thank you for joining me at the sonic cinema podcast you can find me on youtube at the sonic cinema podcast as well as my personal youtube uh b scuttle which is for my music and other things hit us up at patreon.com backslash sonic cinema for more, including early access reviews for a lot of the movies I'll be covering in the 1999 movie year, 
and uh, as well as exclusive Oscar nomination commentary, as well as some other, uh, <coughs> as well as some other uh, commentary, criticism, and um, special uh, mini podcast episodes specifically for patrons. It's patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Uh, coming up, we've got big year ahead in the uh, class of 1999. A lot of the more significant films still to come, as well as some that you may not necessarily be expecting. But I hope you enjoy the conversations. There's a lot of great people going to be involved with them. For now, this is Brian Scuttle, and thank you for joining me, and have a good day. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.